Today's show is sponsored by Ruder Than You Dragons. Ruder Than You Dragons is a family-owned reptile business based off in Paramount, California. They specialize in bearded dragons and their genetics. They'll also have tegu lizards, ball pythons, leopard geckos, boas, and a little bit of everything your heart desires. Genetics he will be producing are Weiros, Zeros, Witblitz, Hypos, and Translucent. They are very healthy with very vibrant colors, pretty much show-stopping dragons. Believe me, go check out their Instagram. I just checked it out. That shit is awesome. Thank you very much, Ruder Than You Dragons. I appreciate you sponsoring the show. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 101 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode is a pretty jacked up episode. I came across it on accident, actually. And I decided, you know what, let me go ahead and throw this out there and we'll see how people receive it. And it's episode 101, not episode 101. Who the fuck says 101? Well, I tell you. So today's episode is going to be an unsolved mystery. It's a cold case that is still being heavily investigated, or at least I, I would hope it's being heavily investigated, but I greatly doubt it because, you know, there's other things that take precedent other than cold case files. Cold case files kind of get pushed off to the side and hope something pops in their lap and says, hey, come solve me. I'm ready. Yeah, so I doubt it. So today's episode is going to be about Karina Holmer. Karina Holmer. Who is Karina Holmer and why is she relevant? Well, when I looked it up, I wasn't really, I actually don't, I've never even heard of Karina Holmer until I, I just Googled it. I just, see, on my off days, I just start Googling random shit and I just, I just Google unsolved mysteries, the worst unsolved mysteries, and they just randomly pop up and this one popped up. So who is Karina Holmer? Let's get into it and let's figure out what's going on with this gal. In 1996, Karina Holmer thought she was living a dream. The young woman from a small village in Sweden had always had big dreams, and after winning the lottery, she used her winnings to move to America for the summer. The city life, nightclubs, new kinds of people and places, a cultural explosion, Karina was ready for an adventure. Tragically, she, what she found was a nightmare. So this gal had the typical European dream. A lot of people want to come to America because they think that it's a lot better here and it's a lot more exciting. We know, being Americans, that it's not all that exciting here other than it's America. Uh, for a lot of people we would we think the same about Europe. I mean Europe is awesome, cultural, it's wonderful, beautiful and we should all all Americans should go experience multi uh, different cultures and different places around the world. It's cra- it's kind of crazy to me that people from other countries think the same thing about America and want to come visit America. I would never have uh, <laughs> I would never have thought about that being from Europe. But then again, if I lived in Europe my entire life, I probably would want to come out to America as well because of curiosity. But since I've lived in America all my life, I couldn't picture somebody coming from Europe just to come visit America. It just doesn't make sense to me. Karina decided that the best way to plan her trip was to become an au pair, a sort of nanny to families who would offer boarding and a stipend in return. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm fucking that word up. I don't know what au pair is. It's A-U space P-A-I-R. I don't know if I'm saying it properly. I know it's some sort of caretaker, nanny, maid, slash live in something rather. I know it's something of that nature. Obviously it says a sort of nanny to families, but I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. So my Swedish peeps or people who speak the beautiful Swedish language, I don't know what it's called. I do apologize if I butchered that word. I hope I didn't. I mean, I I think I'm pronouncing it the way that it looks, but I doubt it. 
So I apologize for anyone who speaks that beautiful language if I fucked it up again. I try. Most au pairs work through agencies which trained the women in childcare, secured visas, and screened employers. However, Karina went a different route. She arrived in the U.S. with no visa and fake I and a fake ID in March. See, that's already fucked up. You already done fucked up, Aaron. You don't show up into a different country with no work visa and a fake ID. That's all kinds of bad. You, you just that's just something you don't do. But if you want to live the American dream and you want to do the what you believe is is what America wants to do, then hey, I mean, you went the right way. I just it's all kinds of bad already. She began working for a wealthy fan. Excuse me. She began working for a wealthy artist couple living in Dove in Dover, Massachusetts. Frank Rapp was a commercial photographer, and his wife Susan was a painter. Frank was well off enough that he could afford a studio in the Fort Point neighborhood of Boston. Apparently, the Fort Point. Neighborhood of Boston is an is a affluent uppity class upper class, uh, you know the whole one percent people of in that area. Uh, I mean, if if you can afford a property in that area, then that means you're doing really well for yourself. During the week, Karina took care of the rap children and chores, but on the weekend, she was free to travel into the city and party and spend the nights at Frank's studio. Friday and Saturday nights, Karina would be downtown drinking and dancing until the wee hours of the morning. And it's not unusual. She's a young gal. She wants to party. She wants to experience the other life. And I guarantee that there's other foreigners in that in that Boston area that had the same ideas and the same wants. And I mean, you, you can't you can't keep a, a caged tiger. I mean, you can't keep a wild tiger in the cage forever. You know what I mean? Eventually, they're going to want to get out and, and, and frolic. Friends and family back home in Sweden thought she was having the time of her life. The only indication otherwise was her sudden announcement to the to family that she would be cutting her American adventure short and cryptic and a cryptic letter written to a friend in May saying, quote, something terrible has happened in quote, excuse me, something terrible has happened. I'll reveal more when I get home in quote. Her family believed Karina was returning home because she was she had she had grew tired of housework. Only her friend knew that something else was troubling Karina, but no one will ever know just what it was. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna write something cryptic, you, you have to you have to follow it up, and you have to write follow up something with what is actually what is actually going on. See, in my opinion, in my un, unlearned opinion, I'm guessing that during her stay and her employment with this family, I, I think the, the the dad may have gotten a little touchy touchy, a little handsy with this gal, making her extremely uncomfortable. Possibly even forced herself forced himself upon her. There's no proof. There's no evidence. Obviously, we're no, no one's ever going to know because she's she's dead. But I, I think that's what happened. And when she's stating, quote, saying, quote, something terrible has happened, I'll, re- I'll reveal more when I get home. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't leave much to the imagination or much to anything else other than that's what possibly occurred with with this young gal. So what was she doing before she disappeared? Obviously, I told you this was a cold case file. So obviously, she's she's been passed on and she's unalive. But what was she doing before her disappearance? There's a lot of different things. There's a lot of different reports that came in on what she was doing. There's some video confirming there's witnesses. There's a whole bunch of things confirming, but nobody can really pinpoint where she went before she was disappeared or before she disappeared or exactly where she was at when she disappeared. On June 21st, Karina went out to a popular club at Boyston Place called Zanzibar. It was a prime hangout for young foreigners with fake IDs. Boy, I tell you. She was seen several times by friends throughout the night, each time chronologically more intoxicated. So if you're going to have a club, why would you specifically make it okay for people with fake IDs to come in and 
potentially get yourself in trouble. Like in this instance, this gal ended up missing. So she went to a, po- a popular club in Boyston, play- in, at Boyston Place called Zanzibar. And each time that, that she was noticed or each whenever time was, was matched her in her videos or, or in uh, surveillance, she was chronologically more intoxicated. And you know what? Being young, when you're young and dumb, th- there's no limit to the alcohol you can drink. You, you, you take in as much alcohol as you can. You try to take it down. You drink. You drink whatever, whatever much you you think you you can handle. When you realize it's been too much, and then you're all fucked up. I mean, I was there. A lot of us have been there. You don't have to lie to kick it. I know. When you're young, you think you have uh, the stamina of ten mountain goats in the winter. You just you're just there for all nighter. But when the shit hits the fan, then you're all fucked up. Before close, she was briefly passed out in the club bathroom and was escorted out by a bouncer after the club cut her off. In the alley outside, Karina struck up a conversation with a local homeless man who she happily danced with. Then she was gone. If she was passed out in the bathroom floor, or if she was passed out in the club on the bathroom floor, and the bouncer escorted her out, why wouldn't the bouncer find out where she lived, get her a taxi, and ensure her safety inside of the taxi? Why would you escort her out and leave her out there for the wolves to take advantage of? We all know. From either some of us, you know, unfortunately with personal experience and other people because we've read and we find out that when women are intoxicated, they are more vulnerable to attacks. They are more vulnerable to a lot of a lot of negative attention that shouldn't occur when a woman is intoxicated. A woman should be able to get intoxicated and not worry about getting her life taken or being raped by some fucking creep. And I mean, it just to me personally, I think the bouncer should have legitimately taken responsibility and got her put in and had her put into some sort of vehicle for safety and or him himself made sure that she was she made it home safely. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I'm just a different breed. Maybe I'm just an an individual who who just can know what might happen just in case. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just me, I guess. The next few hours became a hazy mix of possible sightings as authorities would later try to track her journey. One friend claimed to have seen Karina get into a car with a group of men. According to that's not unusual, if, especially if they were people from her country or from her area or in Europe, period. Uh, it's been documented or said reportedly. I don't know how accurate it is. It took me forever to find everything that I'm, I'm telling you. But allegedly, reportedly, supposedly that... Whenever foreigners, especially European foreigners, are all g- gathered around in some area and they recognize or speak the lingo, then the gals feel a little more comfortable getting into the car with these gentlemen and heading out for an extra party or for a rendezvous or whatever the case may be. It's just, to me, from, from what I've read, from my understanding, was that these gentlemen happened to be someone from Europe as well and made her comfortable enough to jump in the car with, these, with, a, with a car full of men. Now, that's not neither confirmed nor denied if she actually went into the car with these individuals. I mean, you, again, this is all speculation. And we're not we, but it's been on and on trying to figure out exactly what happened to this young lady. But no one's ever going to know. So, unfortunately, her body is discovered. Again, this whole thing is a cold case. She was murdered. And unfortunately, she was she she was found. Listener discretion is advised. It's not anything horrible, but it is a little much. So listener discretion is advised. Her, ter- her, ter- I can't even talk. I can't even speak properly. 
Her torso was found in a dumpster behind 1901 Boyston Street, sawed in half above the hip and wrapped in a trash bag. It was only discovered because a man had ripped the bag while rummaging four cans on Sunday morning. Her torso was found in a dumpster, sawed in half above the hip. It was wrapped in trash bags. And the only reason why it was found was because somebody was, was rummaging for cans. Could you imagine if that was in an, if it was in an upper affluent neighborhood where nobody dumpster dove? Her body would never have been found. Maybe weeks, maybe months, depending on the dumpster people and how well it was buried inside of the dumpsters. It, it would never have been discovered, ever. Especially being sawed in half. You have a plastic bag just with the upper half of someone's body. Trash people aren't going to take the time to, hey, that looks like a body. Let me go ahead and take this out. You heard me? No one's going to do that. They're just going to let that shit ride. And then possibly maybe she would never have been discovered. And she would have just been another, just another person off of this earth without any, without any knowledge at all other than people wondering what, other than people wondering what exactly happened to her. Karina's body was naked and washed clean. Even her makeup had been scrubbed off, perhaps an attempt to get rid of evidence. Her neck showed signs of strangulation and she had been neatly sawed in half with something like a circular saw, a straight cut other than a hiccup at her hip bone. So whoever did this obviously was some sort of professional or some, had some sort of knowledge in how to dispose of and get rid of bodies and make sure no DNA, DNA evidence would be discovered. Think about it. You, you have someone who was strangled and is naked. I'm pretty sure there was sexual assault that occurred. I mean, it's, I can almost bet the ranch on it that some sort of that. I mean, why else would it be scrubbed clean? Even her makeup was scrubbed clean. And then there were, they showed signs of strangulation. And then she, was, she had been neatly sawed in half with something possibly like a circular saw. A straight cut, fra, a, a straight cut was a perfect clean cut other than a small hiccup at her hip bone. Which meaning that the saw got caught up in the hip bone and it, it, it made an, a messier cut than what the individual planned. That kind of cut would have been fairly easy. One would have only to cut through one bone, the spine. Her lower half was never recovered and police considered the possibility it had been destroyed to hide evidence of a sexual crime or secret pregnancy or excuse me, or a secret pregnancy. The only evidence left by the suspect was a single partial fingertip inside the tra- trash bags. No, mouch- no matches were ever found. Her lower half was never recovered. Police considered the possibility it had been destroyed to hide evidence of a sexual crime or secret pregnancy. What, do, you, do, you, do you understand what kind of individual it takes to, to pull something off like that, to actually commit such a horrific crime? To saw someone in half, leave the upper, half, leave the upper body, the, the upper torso pretty much, and then take the lower half to potentially hide and keep away any sort of sexual assault or any sort of evidence that, or DNA that's going to link this individual to the, and, and get him fucked for this crime. The only evidence left by the suspect was a single partial fingerprint inside the trash bag and no matches, no matches were ever found. It, it, I mean, I don't know exactly the year. Let, let me find out what year, what year this was. So this was in 1996. So in 1996, obviously, the, we don't, the technology that is available to, to law enforcement now 
is nowhere near what it was back in the 90s. So unfortunately, we we have an idea that, yeah, it was for some pretty shitty DNA forensics and all this other crap that was available to the police department. But now, if they still have that, why wouldn't they try to... I mean, I'm sure they have. I'm, I'm just speaking out the side of my neck. I'm speaking wild on the yard right now because it, it just blows my mind that after... It's been the, it's the 90s. 96 to 2006, 2006. That's 20-something years, 25 years, 26 years now that this murder has gone cold and this case has not been solved. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me how something like that can continue being unsolved. But again, I, I'm, I'm not going to keep going on my personal opinion, although... It is my show. I mean, did they, why would he leave the whole body? Was it some sort of fuck you to the police? Like, hey, look at what I did. You're never going to catch me. Ha ha. If you're able to get rid of the lower half, why not just get rid of the entire body, period? So to me, that makes it seem like this was a serial killer and, and or someone close to this gal and was able to say fuck you to the cops because I know how to get away with this. Or it could have actually been a cop themselves. It could have been a cop. It could have been some sort of doctor with a knowledge of how to get rid of and and not leave evidence for the person to be discovered. That's my guess. Let's get into the investigation. Detective Tommy O'Leary immediately began investigating, talking to everyone and anyone Karina may have been with that night. It wasn't long before he would realize it would be a case like no other and it would haunt him forever. Well, of course it was like a case from no ever. Like no other. This gal's from Europe has has the idea of the America dream here in the good old USA, and she gets unalived and possibly I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's not possibly. I mean, we're we're gonna assume that she was raped and then just to be brutally murdered and and, and dismembered the way that she that she was. One of O'Leary's first leads came in the form of a bizarre subject. One of the last people to see Karina alive. Herb Witten became known as the man with the dog after several people told police they had seen Karina talking to a man who wore matching Superman shirts with his gray Pyrenees. Pyrenees. I think that's how you say it. Pyrenees. I don't know. Some little small dog. But this fool had a matching Superman shirt with his dog. Come on now. Okay, so I read reports on that. (laughs) And a lot of people say that it was kind of odd for this guy to have a matching shirt with his dog. It's not odd. There's people who literally only have their animal and decide to be matchy-matchy, buddy-buddy with their animals. It, it doesn't, it, it's not weird. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's pretty cool. You walk around, you see some dude walking around with the, with the dog with a matching Superman shirt. Allegedly, allegedly this, this uh, homeless man was walking around greeting people and, and just wanting to interact sociably with people who are around the nightclub area or the, around the, the yeah, the, the nightlife area. And happened to run into this gal, and allegedly he was the last one to see her alive. Witten told police that he enjoyed the attention that he got from from women while he walked in the city, but that he knew nothing about Karina. He also had a good alibi. Witten had been pulled pulled over for speeding on his way home to Andover that night. Again, he was he'd walk his dog down the city night, and he enjoyed the conversation with. with I mean, it's a conversation starter. You you have a shirt, a matching shirt with your dog. People are going to stop and ask you, especially women who are, oh, that's so cutesy-wootsy, you know, and you you get, you know, you have people who are a little intoxicated, they get a little brave and they start talking to random people. It's not uncommon. Do they make him an alibi? I mean, do they make him a suspect? Of course it does. Why, why wouldn't it make him a suspect? He was one of the last people to see her alive, if not the last person to see her alive. But unfortunately, he had a solid alibi for the fact that he was pulled over for speeding on his way home to Andover that night. So allegedly he would drive 
about 30, 40 minutes away from his home in Andover, down to downtown in the Boyston area, walk his dog and talk to the people around the nightlife, all the youngsters, because he enjoyed the conversation. He enjoyed walking in that area and meeting different people from around the world. That's allegedly the statement that he made. Again, I'm just reading off all this from the little bits and pieces of information that I did receive. It simply didn't seem possible he would have had that time to have already dismembered a body and dumped it near Fenway. Whether he was involved or not, Witten may have taken the truth to his, to his grave. He committed suicide only about a year later. Look, nobody knows so much, too much about Witten. Nobody knows what kind of life he had. Nobody can confirm if he was actually homeless. They know that he did have a vehicle. Obviously, he was driving back and forth from Andover. But in an earlier statement, it said that he went back home, assuming that it was, some sort, it was something with four walls and a, and a roof. We don't know for sure. And again, if, if you're innocent and you've been alive for X amount of years now, all of a sudden cops are pressuring you and questioning you on the whereabouts of this young lady, and then you end your life, I, I, wouldn't that make you just a little bit suspicious? Wouldn't that make it just a little bit odd that you decided to commit suicide when something this 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 tragic and and being investigated for for this unsolved missing or a curious murder that that was committed? I mean, goddamn it, a, a young lady was dismembered and left in a fucking dumpster, and then this guy's gonna kill himself. I'm not saying that he did it, but I'm not but I'm saying that I'm not saying that he didn't do it. No one knows. It's just to me, it makes it makes my my ears perk up. It makes my eyeballs twitch thinking that he was investigated because he was one of the few people, maybe the last individual to see Karina alive. And then he commits suicide a year later. I mean, the case was still open at that time. The ca- the case is still open now. It's a cold case, but it, I mean, it, it's it's not it's not a co- it's not closed. It's a cold case, meaning that it's open and they just haven't had any leads. So it's at a standstill right now. It's frozen. Let's continue. Excluding Witten as a suspect, the police next began to look at Karina's employer with more scrutiny. The rumor from other au pairs was that Frank was a sleazy guy, quote, a creep. So, again, one of the things that, that you want to understand is that when, when you have, a, when you're working for someone, it, it is not common. It's statistically proven that a lot of foreigners, especially young women who come in here with fake IDs and have the American dream to work in the good USA, they are sexually abused and assaulted by their employers. It is, it, it is a disgusting statistic that is fortunately growing as the years pass. I mean, women, from what I've read, again, this is all just from, from what the reports statistically that I read from, from uh, pieces of, of human trafficking, is that women would rather deal, foreign women would rather deal with being assaulted and abused before having to return to a place they so, they so desperately wanted to escape. So in this case, it's not really much of an escape that she wanted. She just wanted to experience the good USA life. And unfortunately, it, it was the end of her, her actual real life because this tragic event occurred. So with, with Karina... And other other nannies, we're gonna say nannies. I, I I keep thinking that I'm fucking I'm, I'm fucking up the au pair word, so we're just gonna call her a nanny. So the rumor from other nannies was that Frank, which was Karina's employer, was a sleazy guy. Multiple nannies quoting saying he was a creep. Now is that too is that too far fetched? Absolutely not. Again, it is statistically proven that foreign nannies, maids, or how whatever you call it are more likely to be assaulted because they are threatened with being sent back to their home their home country. 
And a lot of women would rather just deal with being assaulted, like I mentioned earlier, instead of being sent back to the place that they wanted to leave. Neither Frank or his wife could provide a verifiable alibi for whether they had been, where they had been the night Karina was murdered, and both were increasingly hostile and uncooperative towards police. Look, man, if it's a duck and it has webbed feet and it quacks, it's probably a fucking duck. If neither Frank or his wife could provide a verifiable alibi for where they had been the night Karina was murdered, wouldn't that boost them and shoot them up to the number one suspect list? Look, I'm not a cop, all right? I'm not a police. I'm not a learned individual in the law. I'm just here assuming here with my with my GED that, I, I mean, logically, these two individuals would be shot to the number one suspect list. It is not uncommon for for women or excuse me it's not uncommon for 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 wives to be upset with the whatever mistress their their husband is messing around with at the time to end their life based off jealousy and just alpha jealousy just jealous rage so is it is or is it is it too far-fetched that this can possibly have happened absolutely not absolutely not even more suspiciously dover police were called to to the rap residence for a completely different reason the following monday there was a fire in the dumpster on the property shared by Frank and the neighbors. Why would there be a dumpster fire on the property when Karina, well, part of Karina, was found in a dumpster wrapped in a plastic bag? Could he have been getting could he have been trying to get rid of get rid of evidence? Again, I'm not, I'm not a detective. I want to be one when I grow up, but I'm not one right now. I'm just assuming. Again, this is just my good enough diploma here. I mean, come on now. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, chances are it's a goddamn duck, right? Right. Dover police said Tuesday they were investigating a Monday night fire in a trash bin near the condominium where the raps live and Homer worked, saying, quote, because of what happened with the nanny's torso being found in a dumpster, it seemed a little different, a little odd, end quote, said Dover Police Sergeant Jerry Adams. Again, I just mentioned it. If... The, 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 this young lady's torso was found in a dumpster. Now, all of a sudden, the guy who she worked for is burning shit in a dumpster? Come on now. You know, I mean, look, one plus one is two, right? Let's just add it up. I, I'm Again, I'm not saying that he did it, but I'm saying, but I'm not saying he didn't do it. Let me know what you think. Let me a Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com is the email. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram and Podbean. Let me know if you think that Mr. Rap was the, is probably the number one guilty suspect and or who did it. Or was it the Superman matching dog guy who who's committed suicide shortly or a year later after being questioned? And but I mean, but he had a strong alibi, so I don't see how that would be. But over here, this the 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 Mr. Rap, the employer of 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 uh, Karina, is just being just doing weird shit. Adam said three bags of evidence, including some clothing, but no body parts, will be turned over to Boston police. It was not immediately clear whether the cloths belonged to Homer or where the evidence was found. Three bags of evidence, including some clothing, no body parts will be turned over to Boston police. It was not immediately clear whether the cloth belonged or belong, if the clothes belonged to Homer or whether the evidence or whatever or where the evidence was found. I mean think about it. You have three bags of evidence. 
turned over. There was no body parts. I wonder if there was blood or anything like that. I mean, there, there would have to be something on there in order for it to, to be turned over to Boston police. Or if it was just her clothing, they would want it to see if they can catch any sort of DNA other than hers. That's what I'm thinking. At least that's what I would do if I was a cop. But I'm not. I'm a truck driver. So all I'm going to do is just jam gears and go. Rat 43 was questioned by police, but said he had been cleared of suspicion, saying, quote, I am definitely not a suspect, end quote, he told the Globe. My family is completely devastated. If you don't shut your lying dumbass up, talking about you're completely devastated. If you're completely devastated, you wouldn't be acting all kinds of funny trying to, trying to, trying to say that you're devastated. Police on Tuesday searched the Boston building where Rap, a commercial photographer, had an office and Homer spent her weekends. Remember, she did rendezvous on the weekend. She wanted to be away from the Homer family. I mean, think about it. Think about it. I mean, you want to? She wants to clap some cheeks. She's not going to do it in the in the residence where she's where she's working. That's that's kind of rude and disrespectful. So, out of the goodness of his heart, out of the goodness of his heart, he said, "Yeah, go ahead and use my studio. Don't trip. I got you, boo." I guarantee you that there was some sort of sexual assault or some sort of some sort of incident that made her very uncomfortable. I mean. It just doesn't make sense to me. Boston police work with Dover to collect samples from the charred rubbish, but none tested positive for blood or human remains. Perhaps it was just another of many strange coincidences. See, that that's crazy to me right there as well. Boston police collected samples from the charred rubbish, but none tested positive for blood or human remains. However, there, nothing was mentioned about the three bags that, of, of clothing that were delivered over. Nothing, I'm, I'm guessing none of that had any any hits if it was all it was all clear it just this whole case is pretty bizarre i mean unfortunately there's not much graveyard grumbler's final rap it's been over 20 years since karina was murdered and her case has long gone cold there are absolutely no more leads there's no more evidence there's no more witnesses coming forward saying anything Regarding her case, that's it. Whatever we, whatever they found in the early '90s to late 2000s, or excuse me, to the early 2000s, was all that they were able to gather. There was nothing more leading to anything other than the to a dead end. All their suspects that they found, one killed himself, which cops strongly believe that Witten was the last individual and possibly the 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 predator who who brutally murdered Karina Holmes, or excuse me, Karina Homer. Of course, they can't pin any murders, anything on him because everything that they did in the, before he, he killed himself turned up dead. And plus the strong alibi where he was, where he received a speeding ticket on his way back to his residence in another city. Homer 20 was last seen alive on June 22nd, 1996, after a night of clubbing in downtown Boston. The next day, the top half of her body was found in a dumpster in the, in the Fenway area. She had been severed at the waist, possibly with a power saw. Obviously, the, whoever did it was able to have some sort of power connection and, an, and a clear area to where noise, screaming, and other noise disturbances would not be an issue. I mean, obviously, it was somewhere close around the area for them to dr- come back and drop her off right back in the same exact place where she was at. It just doesn't make sense. Again, I'm not a cop. I'm not a detective, so I can't say 100% exactly why this occurred. On the 25th anniversary of the slaying, the Boston Police Department is asking the public for their help in solving the case and bringing Homer's killer to justice. It's an ongoing cry. It's an ongoing plea. Look, I know this is 20 years. I know I know, I, I don't have the best evidence and the best description of what's going on. I'm simply piecing together multiple sources of, from reports from Boston, uh, the, from the Boston Globe, 
from the Washington Post, from other newspaper sources that I've able to piece together for the episode that I gave you today. Sergeant Detective Gary Mitchell said police are interested in hearing from anybody they may have seen her or knew her back at that time or anybody who might want to clear their conscience. Anybody wants to clear the conscience. If you, were, if you did the goddamn murder, turn yourself in. This is the bottom line. If you know somebody who did it, turn yourself in. Give the family for this uh, Swedish gal some, some peace of mind, some, some closure. I mean, this happened tw- over 20 years ago, and you're telling me that no- nobody has come forward? I mean, especially out there. I mean, snitches get stitches. That's the whole thing. We think there are people who know stuff who haven't come forward, Mitchell says. Circumstances can't change over the years. They absolutely can if they're still alive. If these people have died for whatever natural sources or re- natural, I mean, natural karma, I guess you can say, then they're not going to be able to come forward. But if anybody knows anything, just come forward. Just You can do it anonymously. Just let them know, hey, man, this check this out, and maybe Karina's death won't be in vain, and closure will come to the family, and we can finally put that sick motherfucker behind bars, and if not, put some, you know, some lethal injection in his veins. Mitchell and Detective Charles Daniels from the police department's unsolved homicide unit are the lead investigators working on the case, and they're looking for any information that could help solve the mystery. Anyone with information is asked to call Boston Police Department Homicide Unit at 617-343-4470. Information can also be left anonymously by calling the Crime Stoppers tip line at 1-800-494-TIPS or by texting the word TIP to CRIME 27463. Again, that's 1-800-494-TIPS or texting the word TIP to CRIME, which is 27463. Or you can speak to the homicide detectives directly at 617-343-4470. Unfortunately, there's not much for my final rap other than I really think that the that Mr. Rap, the employer, might have more to do with it than they know. I don't think it was the the homeless man with the matching Superman shirt that him and his dog had. Um, but then it is kind of suspicious that he did kill himself one year later after being investigated and being put being kept as a person of interest. Of course, being a person of interest doesn't make you guilty. All it does is make you a person of interest in order for them to reopen and reinvestigate and re-question you at in at their given at any at their given leisure whenever they feel they need to speak with you again. And of course, you are obligated to since you are a person of interest. At least that's what I, at least I know. That's from, that's from what I know. I don't know for sure. I'm just a learned man with the ged. So don't come at me, bro. Again, I, I was Googling one night. I was up for work. I was up late. I had just gotten off of work uh, and I, I looked through it and I just Googled worst cold case files. And this was one, like the number two. And it just, it just sparked my, my interest that somebody can be brutally murdered in this fashion but there's no leads, there's no, there's no suspects, and it's just a cold case file. It blows my mind. Especially for someone to have been sawed in half, literally sawed in half, and part of their body is missing. It, it just makes me scratch my head to make me, it just makes me scratch my head to think, well, if he was able to get rid of the bottom part of the body, why couldn't he get rid of the top? Or she, it could have been a she. Unfortunately, this crime is ongoing or this case is ongoing and not much has been from not much has been been added or solved or discovered since the 90s. It's going to continue a cold case over 20 years. Nothing is nothing has changed. So, again, if you know anything 
by all means, reach out to those numbers, 617-343-4470 for the Boston Homicide Unit. Or you can leave an anonymous tip by calling 1-800-494-TIPS or by texting the word TIP to CRIME, which is CRIME 27463. I appreciate everyone. Next episode is going to probably be another cold case. I'm pretty stuck on this lately. I've been watching a lot of cold case files documentaries and I'm, my, my, I'm all interested in this shit right now. So it's going to be a little while. I, I've, I'm trying to gather some pretty cool paranormal and demonic uh, episodes. It's just really hard since all of them sound exactly the same. And a lot of them are really difficult to prove truthful. So I, I, when I give you guys a, a, a paranormal or, or demonic possession, I want to make sure that it's as realistic and as truthful as it can be. So it's difficult for me gathering a bunch of evidence, a bunch of stuff for the show. So right now I'm stuck on cold case files and I'm stuck on, on missing persons on everything that's, that, that I've been doing here as of late. So next week, be ready for another messed up cold case. I just released a jacked up one on my Patreon. Go check that out. It's $5, one tier. The link will be in the buy in the show notes. Again, one, it's one tier, $5. It's never going to go up. It's going to stay the same price. And let me see here. That's pretty much it. I appreciate everyone. Oh, every Thursday morning until my schedule changes, I do a radio show on RadioKing.com. It's the Graveyard Grumbler radio show. Check that out. It's I, it's completely different from my podcast. I don't talk much about, about uh, spooky, demonic stuff or cold case files. It's more of my it's opinionated talk radio show. I try to do some skits, throw some jokes in there, talk about hot takes that's going on in the news. So if you want to check that out, it's RadioKing.com and just look up Graveyard Grumbler Radio Show or Graveyard Grumbler Radio and, and my name should pop up. You can also download the app, RadioKing.com or Radio King. Just look, download the app, look up my name, Graveyard Grumbler, and, and every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time in America, set 10 a.m. Texas time, that's when my show goes on. So other than that, again, I appreciate everyone. Thank you very, very much for the continued support. Please go to Apple and rate my show. Let them know how well I'm doing and how much you enjoy it. Share my show. Share, share, share. Tell everybody you know. Just send them the link and say, listen to it, motherfucker. Surprise, motherfucker. And just, just have everybody listen to it. I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. Yeah, Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.